standing. So feel free to stand if you desire, but otherwise feel free to sit too. You want me to go down to my knees? No, no. Yeah, if you, have a, if you had a bar stool here, I would sit on it, but so be it. Okay. The letter that I want to look at today is the letter to Philemon. Uh, it's Paul's request for mercy of a runaway slave. Slavery was very common. One in three people, apparently, in the Roman Empire would have been slaves. Uh, the Greek word here is doulos, and doulos can mean servant, slave, and so we shouldn't think of it as in 18th century American slavery. There was a difference. It's not quite Victorian servanthood in the 18th century, but it's not American slavery. It wasn't built on race or anything like that. And so when Paul writes this unique letter, it's the shortest letter that he writes that we have. He might have written other letters, but that God decided not to preserve. But this short letter is to an individual and not to a congregation, which is kind of unique. He's not a church leader in the sense that it is a message for the church. And Philemon is a wealthy Colossian. He owned slaves, as most of the rich people did. Paul, a prisoner of Messiah Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved brother, and fellow worker, and to Ephia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus the Messiah. The opening words, we see immediately that Paul is a prisoner. Paul was imprisoned a number of occasions. He was imprisoned in Caesarea. Uh, we know he was in Rome. But according to a second century text, he was also imprisoned in Ephesus, from which we believe this letter was written during that time. It means that he's already in the area and so it would have been easy for Onesimus, who we'll be introduced to in a minute, to be able to get to him. Many commentaries state that he was imprisoned in Rome, but that would have been a long distance to go. And to send him back then would have been more problematic as well. So it is possible that he was just in prison again. And it seems that he was often in prison. I don't know how many people you know in prison, but usually they're not the good kind. But he's in prison on behalf of Christ because he knows that the message that he's trying to communicate to them is what it's all about. He refers to himself as belonging to the Lord and that he's engaged in the service and that is why he is in prison. His prison could end in a death sentence when he would come to Rome and stand before the emperor. And it is the same for Onesimus, who is that runaway slave. When he's sent back, he is likely to face death. And so there is a similarity with Paul. And he's writing to Philemon saying, I have a favor to ask. 
Paul's imprisonment, therefore, is honorable to him because he is a prisoner of Messiah, and yet there is a similarity to the runaway slave. He also writes on behalf of Timothy, our brother. We say brother and sister in the Lord quite easily, but Paul tends to limit that to people who are working within the ministry. And Timothy had already spent time with Paul in Ephesus during his missionary journey there in Acts 19, verses 1 to 19. And so he had come close to Paul. But Paul should be considered the author of this letter. He's the main one, and he is addressing Philemon, the beloved. We insert the word brother, it's not in the text, but he's giving him a an endearment term. He loves him because he's knowing, sorry, knowing about him and how he treats the other believers, his characteristics are honorable. Paul uses that term limited too, like Epaphras, a fellow servant, but who's also beloved. Onesimus is beloved in Colossians 4. Luke, the beloved disciple or beloved physician in Colossians 4. But it's rarely used. And so there is an indication here that he is more than just somebody who he is trying to butter up. And Philemon has a church in his house, uh, being a larger house than we normally have. He has a place there. And Paul or others would have gone there and heard the message. But being a Roman citizen, he would have only invited people of his standing and not the servants, not the slaves, who would have overheard the message but were not partakers in the message. Paul and his fellow workers around him go out and share that message. And so they are God's fellow workers working on God's building. Beside Philemon, he mentions Aphia. Aphia means fruitful. In many commentaries, she is listed as the wife of Philemon. The text doesn't say that. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce actually indicates that she might have been the wife of Onesimus. And that's possible too. Though I think when we read through this carefully, I think I disagree with both of those opinions. She's listed separately. She's not listed as husband and wife, as we see, for instance, in other letters, uh, where he does address husband and wives like uh, Priscilla and Aquila, Andronicus and Junia. They're addressed as husband and wives, but here she isn't. She's addressed separately. She's called sister. And again, that is limited to those who are in some form of aid to Paul or in terms of the message that he's sharing to the believers. And so it should be seen as a ministry designation. Phoebe, who's also listed as a sister, is recognized as a deacon, diakonos, in the book of Romans, chapter 16. And she is there listed as a patron of the church of Kensrea. And so she is therefore probably 
fear a significant person rather than just a wife, a patron, possibly a deacon. And the same with Archippus, a fellow soldier, not addressed as a son, but a fellow soldier. The only other person that takes this title in Philippians 2 verse 25 is Epaphroditus. Thank you. I don't know why they have such Greek names, such difficult Greek names. The Hebrew names are so much easier. And he is a soldier for the faith. Most likely it would indicate that he was battling not just in the spiritual realm, but battling for the truth, battling for the faith against false teachers. And he too is charged with the ministry in Colossians 1.17, where it uses the word for ministry, diakonai, in indicating that he might have been a deacon. And so both these two would have been possibly deacons within this home church. And Paul then adds to this group of people and those who meet at your house, the church in your house. That makes the content of this letter rather awkward because within this letter he will ask a favor. Uh, let me ask you a personal favor. By the way, I'm going to tell everybody else here what that is. And so there is some social pressure on him. He didn't have to but he would therefore feel the need to. And then he adds that greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus the Messiah. He often pronounces these kind of blessings or similar blessings, and it's significant for us to remember that. Grace, unmerited favor, and that comes through in peace from God our Father. And therefore we need to extend that peace to one another that is part of the ministry that Jesus had for us and we to one another. In verses 4 to 7, then he gives thanks and praise. I thank my God always, mentioning you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Messiah's sake. For I have come to, uh, sorry, for I have come to have much joy and comfort and love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Paul is in jail, so to give thanks, that is amazing. We are in lockdown, and what do we do? We're like the ancient Israelites. We grumble and we complain, especially those in Melbourne. But Paul, even though he is in prison, gives thanks. And he prays for them, not just for himself. And he prays that the fellowship may become effective. It is a letter in which he could have complained, but he chose not to. And he emphasizes Philemon's love and his demonstration to all the saints that have come. And Paul is praying that Philemon will demonstrate his love now with an extra step, not just to those of the same standing, 
but those who are of lesser standing. As he writes in Colossians 3, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so he's hoping that instead of having just a ministry amongst the rich and the powerful, that he will now reach out to those who are of lesser value, to those who are of slave background. That would give him much joy. Verse 8 to 22. He makes a request on behalf of Phoenicimus, and he makes a second request for accommodation. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in the Messiah to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person, Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Messiah Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be, in effect, by compulsion, but out of your own free will. For perhaps this was the reason that he was separated from you for a while, so that you may have him back forever, no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, and how much more so to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me, but if he wronged you in any way, or if he owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hands. I will repay it. Not to mention that you owe me your very life as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart of Messiah, having confidence in your obedience. I write to you since I know that you will do even more so than what I say. At the same time also prepare a lodging for me, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Hmm. I wonder if you and I had received that letter, if we had slaves, what we would do. There is some compulsion in here. I am an apostle. I can order you around. I am in charge but I don't want to use my authority and abuse it. Therefore, the kind of person that you are, you've refreshed the hearts of the saints, and you've shared with them the love and fellowship of Messiah, therefore I appeal to you as an apostle, but still I appeal to you on your Christian values, on your Christian duty, rather than my apostolic authority. Paul petitions Philemon thoughtfully and purposefully, do it in love. 
the very love that you have received from Messiah, the very love that you've shown to the others that are coming to your house so that you may receive him back, no longer just a slave, but a brother. He clearly does indicate that he's an apostle, but he doesn't abuse it. He doesn't say, I insist. And so Philemon could have said, no. Not only that, Philemon has the right under Roman law to say, off with his head. He was a runaway slave. And it implies, it doesn't state, it implies that he had taken something. That's the common consensus. We don't know whether he did or did not. Onesimus would have traveled for some time to get to Ephesus and to be there with Paul for some time. And so he would have had that question, Paul, how do I, as a slave, can I receive Jesus? Can I become a Christian? And so there would have been a period of time that he was there. Because Paul doesn't state he stole from you, but he implies it if he owes you anything, I think it's more likely that he's talking about time rather than money. I don't think he stole because that would have been mentioned. But you see, a slave was also somebody who worked for you. And therefore, if he wasn't working for you, there would be a loss. And in such, charge it to me. The key motivator, though, needs to come from love and not power. And so he appeals to him. And again, he mentions twice more a prison or imprisonment. And he identifies it as such with the slave. I am a nobody. I am in prison. I have no right to make this appeal, but I'm making it to you on the basis of our friendship, on the basis of love. He also mentions that he is the aged, an old man. Well, how old was Paul? He was a young man when Stephen was stoned, Acts chapter 7, verse 58. So how old is he here? He's about my age. Is that old? I don't know. I know one thing for sure, that if I had been shipwrecked and stoned and beaten and whipped and, you know, all those things that he bears as marks in his body, the marks of Jesus in his body, and people harassing him, that thorn in the flesh that, yeah, 60 would have been an old age. And I think it's right that he says, I am the aged, I am the old one. As such, having Onesimus there would have been helpful to him. Jail then was more open. Yes, you were still stuck to, you couldn't just walk out, but you had to provide your own food, clothes. You had to bring things to the place where you were. And having somebody there would have been very helpful to him. But he appeals to him on the basis of grace, because he would have been very useful to Paul. As such, he goes even beyond that. He doesn't just want a servant, but he says, I appeal to him because he is my child, the one who I begotten in bonds, in chains. Onesimus means 
useful. It comes from that root meaning helpful or profitable. But he is no longer profitable to you because he walked away from you. But he is profitable to me now. But I'm sending him back that he might be profitable to you. Onesimus is addressed as a child. There is a personal relationship. He heard the gospel at your house, but he's come here. And he's made that commitment of faith. I love him. He's beloved. And so Paul continues to appeal to Philemon's Christian duty. He would have been helpful to me due to my age, due to my imprisonment. And he would have been helpful in my ministry here. He clearly is a believer. He's even my very heart. How often do you say that? When you write love letters, you do. You are my heart. But Paul is indicating that he's more than just somebody to him. He is close to the apostle now. He's become very valuable and very helpful. And so sending him back is taking a huge risk. As I said, on the Roman law, off with his head. He's not asking for Onesimus to be set free. Uh, that would have been unthinkable at the time. Before we go too far, some time later, we don't know exactly how much later, we know that Paul in Colossians 4 in verse 1 writes, Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And so in that too, there is that reminder. Do what is right, even to those of a different standing. In that same chapter, verse 9, we see Onesimus mentioned again. Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who's one of your number. Onesimus now has started to become somebody within the body of Messiah. In the early church fathers, he's even called a bishop. And it seems that not only was he received back, he was set free. Whether that was a complete freedom or a partial freedom, we don't know. But he was sent back. He was kept with me for a short time, and there would have been that cost. So therefore, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. And Paul is saying this in his own handwriting. This is a promissory note saying, hey, if he owes anything, and if you consider me a partner, the Greek word he is connected to, koinonia, if you consider me a part of your spiritual fellowship, then charge it to me. I am a partner within this. And you have partnered with me in this. We are sharing the one faith. And Paul writes that promissory note in his own handwriting. You wonder if we would have found that letter, the original, how much that would have meant to Onesimus. You see, to some degree, it is a safeguard for him with this letter 
going back to his master saying, hey, I've got a letter from the Apostle Paul. It's not a guarantee, but it's a safeguard that it's likely to happen. And if I have done wrong, charge it to him. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. There's again that term of endearment, expressing his love and closeness in spiritual fellowship with Philemon. In other words, grant him this favor and let us have some benefit. Refresh my heart as you have refreshed others in the Lord. In verse 7, but you've refreshed them, refresh me now, even though I'm still far apart. Please fulfill my request. In verse 21, then, he is confident of your obedience, knowing that you will do even more so than I ask. But he didn't demand freedom, he just meant take him back and don't punish him. It would have been risky. And so he's heeding Paul's advice, we know that. And he shows kindness and charity. And he does more so, he does set him free. Today we are a society of litigant, like we sue anybody and everybody that we can. But we sometimes too need to set people free. It's that opportunity that we have. Paul concludes this, at the same time prepare a lodging, a guest room for me. He's hoping to make that visit to Colossae. Uh, he is still in jail, but he's hoping by their prayers, the prayers of all the saints, that it might be granted to him to visit so that I can check up on you that you did the right thing. Paul is not just referring to Philemon, but to the whole household and to all of the churches saying, pray for me so that I might be granted to you for some time. He's hopeful that he will be released and to do more ministry amongst them. In verses 23 to 25, he then brings that final greeting and salutation. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, Messiah Yeshua, sorry, Messiah Jesus, greets you. He was not the only one stuck in jail, but there were others with him. And they too must have caused that same ruckus to be locked up. Then he mentions others, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. And they would have been helping Paul within the ministry that he had while in jail. This is the same group of people that he mentions in Colossians, and therefore these letters are connected. The grace of the Lord Jesus the Messiah be with your spirit. Even while Paul was in prison, he was continuing to train the next generation and to build to the body of Messiah and to strengthen it. And then he says, grace. Again, unmerited favor. May that be with you from the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, 
and be with your spirit. That unmerited favor that brought the peace of God that passes beyond all understanding. But Paul doesn't request his freedom. What Paul does ask us to do is to set people free. He's not asking Philemon to release his slaves, but to receive them back as brothers, as sisters. There's a lesson for us in that. How do we treat others, even those outside of the faith? When we are trying to be a witness to the Lord and we yell and shout and are rather crude or look down on people, what kind of witness would this be? And these are lessons that we can see within this book for us. How to behave, even to those of a different layer of society. To show mercy to those who have wronged us. The concept of grace from God the Father to us and from us to others is now to be extended.